Are you listening to this show hoping to get some golden nuggets to help you on your way to recovery? Well, great. I hope that you find them because that is exactly what this show is for. But if you really want to take your recovery all the way, completely commit and get on track with your goals, whether they be finally feeling overall healthy, finally getting pregnant, or finally getting back to training, you'll want to join us inside of the HA Society. Not only is this the perfect community to ask questions and get your support and the accountability that you so often need during these uphill battles with body image and understanding nutrition and incorporating exercise, but it's also a hub of exclusive resources for HAers. All of the HA podcast episodes are released in advance and completely ad-free, so you can listen on the go to the raw, unedited versions, uninterrupted. All of the one-on-one coaching calls, of which we have two a week in different time zones, are uploaded to our private podcast feed so that you can listen to events with practitioners and the past community calls as though they were bonus podcast episodes, because I know how much you love to listen to this kind of stuff. And in these calls, we cover requested topics like overcoming the weight gain fears, communicating with friends and family about our HA, diving into how HA works, and debunking the imposter syndrome that so many of us have around this diagnosis. There's also an entire resources section with lectures, workshops, and training from the past events that are hosted by experts like Sarah Liz King, Laura Lyons, Kaylee McDevitt, Holly Dunn, and many more. As a member, you also get direct access to myself and Coach Ashley in the DMs. So if you have personal questions or need individualized advice about your recovery, we're in there answering your questions in the DMs, as are all of our other members in the group who impress me week after week with how they show up for each other. It's incredible. It's like women are just all becoming mini coaches for each other. It's so good. The HA Society is really the place to be if you're going through recovery, no matter what stage you're at. Whether you have HA or you've got a few recovery periods, we have your back and we're all your new best friends. So come and meet us at thehasociety.com forward slash join. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join and the link is in the show notes for you okay on with the show hey guys i am just jumping in before we get underway with this episode to let you know that on october 23rd that is friday the doors to the ha society are closed so if you want to be able to come into the membership and chat with all of the amazing women i mean i actually am so amazed and surprised and proud of myself of how many of you guys are in there right now and it's like popping off in there i'm so pumped it could not be going better so if you want to come on in with all the other girls that have ha who have recovered or waiting on their second third periods and you want to come in and talk shop about everything and anything ha related Come on in. Head to thehasociety.com or go to the link in the show notes to join now before the doors close and it doesn't reopen again till the next new moon. Seriously, that is when I open the next one. So I'll see you guys there and enjoy the show. Hey, and welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast, an adulting advice podcast production. 
I'm Danny Sheriff, and this is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. Let's dive in. And quick disclaimer, guys, I am not a doctor, and this content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek the advice of your physician. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the HA podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Ali Carey. And welcome, Allie. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Honored to be here. It's going to be a fun, fun conversation. Yay. Yes, I'm excited. I generally love chatting with you, so it's going to be great. Can you tell everyone who you are and what you do, basically what you are going to bring to the show today? Totally. Well, just a little bit more about me. I'm a born and bred Vermonter. I have lived here my whole entire life. Um, I live here with my fiance and we're getting married in October, which is super exciting. Um, and here at home, I'm a nutrition coach um, and I also coach CrossFit. So I've been coaching nutrition for just under four years. So like three and a half years, I've been coaching CrossFit for just over seven. So I've been really um, into fitness and nutrition for a long time. Um, well, actually, I've been into fitness for a long time, and then my um, passion for nutrition and coaching kind of came out of um, getting into the gym and learning to fuel my body based on how I wanted to feel in the gym versus how I wanted to look, which is a really crazy mindset shift for me. And um, I always like to say that like learning how to um, work out in a safe and healthy way probably saved my life in terms of the direction I was going. Um, and so I just love giving back to others and hopefully heading other people in the same direction I came from um, and the direction I'm going in. So that's where my passion for coaching kind of came from and nutrition. Cool. I love that you're called a Vermonter. I know. So you obviously bring a ton, like quite a few years of experience all together, which is why I wanted to have you on the show. I assume over that long period of time, your perspective from when you first started to where you are now is completely different, like your perspective on the fitness industry and what it actually means to work out in a way that's good for you. And like, totally. we all go, we all go through that. We, we get into it. We get really into it. Yep. <laughs> and then we find balance. <laughs> Hopefully. Yep. We hit so that wall and then we're like, you. Oh wait. <laughs> exactly. That's why I wanted to have you on the show. So I'm chatting with registered dietitians, nutritionists, functional nutritional therapy practitioners, health coaches, exercise physiologists, like tons of different experts. And so what you bring to that is basically like almost I almost should have started with you in a way, right? Because it's like, you're sort of that barrier between the average person just getting into fitness and a person maybe getting to a point where they need some guidance and help with their nutrition or their health, that kind of thing. Totally. So you, they, this is like a person's going to walk into the gym. And they've never worked out before. They don't know a carb from a fat and they're like you're you're kind of one of the first people to help a lot of these people start to start the learning process so I wanted to chat with you because I also think there's um, people can gain a lot from that period of time in their journey if they work with the right person and someone that's going to help them and not hinder them so I'm excited today to talk to you about how you deal with with clients 
that you see who might be struggling and also what people can look for when they're finding the right coach for them, whether it's in the gym or a nutrition coach. Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. Cool. So what is the difference between you, what you do as a nutrition coach and what say a nutritionist or a registered dietitian would do? Cause there's lots of misconceptions. So definitely that's a great place to start for sure. And the first thing to remember is that, um, nutritionists and RDs can be nutrition coaches, but not all nutrition coaches are necessarily nutritionists or RDs. So like a nutrition coach who does not have like a registered dietitian certification, um, like we can't order labs, we can't prescribe supplements. Um, Whenever I'm working with someone, I will always ask them and tell them that they need to speak to a doctor before adding anything um, like supplement supplement wise to their routine, things like that. Um, Nutritionists and RDs have to sit for specific certifications and trainings to like be considered a nutritionist or a RD. Um, And so like an example is I have a master's in nutrition and human performance, and I also have um, taken a lot of different like accessory certifications, but I'm still not like, I didn't sit for the test that would make me a registered nutritionist or RD. So figuring out like where scope of practice is, is really important both as a coach so that you know when you need to refer out. Um, and also as a client looking for a coach, depending on what you're looking for and what you specifically need. So like if someone's working with me and like from an HA perspective, if they're going to need to be supplementing with certain things or drawing labs to figure out if they're deficient in anything, that's something I would refer out. And then they could give me that information and I could be like, all right, here are the foods and the lifestyle habits we can um, use to reach those goals versus at being like, this is what you're deficient in. So I basically can work like in conjunction with people. Um, once they get that information back from a registered nutritionist or even just like a PCP or something like that. I wanted to start to kind of add on, if you were to work every single week with a registered dietitian, that's just not really a thing. There's not a lot of registered dietitians that meet with you every week. They meet with you, um, you know, every few weeks after you've implemented a protocol for a while. So what is a cool thing about nutrition coaches is you can work with them on your protocol with an RD, for example. So you could get this, like my RD said, this isn't this, I need to implement this. But sometimes then you get pushed off on your own to figure it out. Not all the time. There are lots of RDs, especially now, who are offering coaching because they see that mental and behavioral side of like implementing the changes is really hard. But nutrition coaches, I feel like this is where they can really, really shine to support people, not just with the what to change, but the how to change it. Definitely. Like I definitely, we can't say for sure that every dietitian is only going to have 15 minutes to 30 minutes with you. And then, then you got to kind of figure it out, but that can definitely be true in some clinical settings. So I like to think about the coach side of being a nutrition coach as being, yes, I'm here to give you nutrition information and Um, help you from a nutrition standpoint, but it's also like being the master in personalization, right? And accountability. And those are the two things that are really huge when it comes to implementing a nutrition or fitness or habit change in your life. And then not only implementing it initially, but then having it carry out through the rest of your life or for the rest of whatever that period of time needs to look like. So 
we're kind of masters in accountability and then creating sustainability through really getting to know each individual or the people we work with. Um, mm-hmm. And it, like you said, like some, some RDs and some nutritionists are also coaches and do a great job with that. But coaches can definitely help bridge that gap a little bit when needed. Yeah. And then just like a little added benefit to uh, the nutrition coach is typically they're a lot more affordable. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's kind of the benefit of working with a nutrition coach who is an expert in your behavior and getting your, you, when you're working, when you're dealing with something like HA or like yeah. a hormonal imbalance issue, mm-hmm. if you have got perfect labs or whatever, and you don't need, you're not trying to help a specific health issue. Somebody, you can just go to your nutrition coach and start oh. from there. And you're like, Hey, I just want to work on my relationship with food or something. Totally. But when you are working through something like hypothalamic menorrhea, you want to have the guidance of an RD or a nutritionist. Ideally, not everyone has to have that. And a lot of people listening know, like, if you just want to follow the no period now, what all in protocol, or you know what to do, you've read plenty of resources. You can just basically get your protocol and get your nutrition coach to help you stick to it. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that's the huge thing is I think a lot of people are like, well, I know what I have to do. Why can't I just do it? And the reality of the situation is most people need some kind of accountability and there's nothing wrong with that. The the trick is figuring out what kind of accountability works for you and then hacking it. Like that's actually a really strong, cool thing to be able to do. It's not a weakness being like, well, I have the information, but like I need, I need that person to be there for me to ask how it's going or help me think about something in a new way. Because a lot of the time when we're the only one in our head, we, we having someone else who can kind of not necessarily pick apart, but read between the lines and ask, well, have you thought about it this way? Or have you tried this? I just, I mean, even as a nutrition coach, we have nutrition coaches because you can get so stuck in your ways and the way that you think that having that third party can be just such a game changer. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. And it also just feels like you have this big support network, yeah, which it's is like, nice. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, it is fun. Okay, cool. Thank you for that explanation and how you guys work can work in conjunction with each other. Totally. I have a hypothetical for you to give people an idea of how you might work with them if they were a client. Totally. So you have a female client and you suspect that she's going really ham with her workouts. And she also wants to continue cutting calories while she increases her training. I'm sure you see this all the time, right? Definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All the time. It's super common. Lots of the people listening have been there, done that. So what investigation or actions do you take? So it really, the cool thing, again, like we're talking about, like being a nutrition coach, you get to know someone so you can kind of figure out where the best place to start is. Some people really need to be like walk through the science of things. Some people just need you to tell them what to do. Some people you really need to appeal to the emotional side of things. So you kind of have to play it depending on the person. Um, But the biggest thing first is coming from a place of like knowing where that person's coming from. And I mean, I've been there. I've been over exercising and under eating and like 100 or like 1200 calories a day and running 10 miles a day like that was my life before I found CrossFit and before I started learning about nutrition and fueling my body and it's really scary to have someone tell you actually you need to exercise less and eat more like it goes against Mm -hmm. everything that we've been socially conditioned to think works for weight loss um 
And when people are over-exercising and wanting to cut calories, like, let's be real, it's usually to try to drop fat and reach a certain aesthetic or um, lose a certain amount of weight for whatever those reasons are. Mm -hmm. So starting from a place of just knowing that it's a scary concept is huge because then you're creating this trust. And a client's never going to do what you suggest they do unless they trust you. So that's like the first thing. So really getting at their level, being in the trenches with them and being like, I try, I know that this is scary because I have been there and I know that this seems like the craziest idea you've ever heard, but hear me out, you know? And then really like talking about all the different things that can play into what could be going on here. So you could start by digging into, well, what is the ultimate goal here? So a lot of people um, may think, well, if I've lost my period, I don't really want to have kids soon anyway, so does it really even matter? Or I don't want kids at all, so like, why does it matter? Or I already had kids, so why does it matter? So if we're coming at it from an HA perspective, talking about hormones are always going to be something that support you when they're working well or can be really tough um, to handle when they're not cycling the way they're supposed to be in an ideal world. Um, so talking about, well, even if that's not where you are mentally in terms of reproductive health, here are all the other ways that these hormones impact the way you feel on a day-to-day basis um, so that they can kind of connect the, this is why this is important to learn more about um, to their actions, right? And then from there, you could talk about really digging into the why. So like, why do we feel like we really need to be drastically cutting calories right now? Why, where is this need to reach X, Y weight by this time coming from initially? And this is, again, where scope of practice has to kind of come into play, right? So we're nutrition coaches. Many of us see a lot of things and have been through things ourselves and have a lot of different um, ways we can break down that kind of internal monologue. But at the same time, there could be times when you need to refer out to someone else if it seems like an exercise addiction kind of problem or something that may need to be handled by someone who's more of a um, a professional in that kind of like mental health kind of world. Um, And if that's ever an issue, that's something that's really helpful to be like, I'm still here for you and I can work in conjunction with this person too. You know, so again, that scope of practice becomes really important when you're digging into that kind of stuff. But coming back to the why is really huge. Um, And then you can kind of start speaking to that why as you move forward. So um, from there, I like to just, oh yeah, do you want to? Yeah, I have a question because the the why comes up a lot and it just struck me like, so are you saying that a lot of the time people maybe they forget what their purpose is and they see this like a new shiny object and they're like, Hey, I think I need to cut calories because I just had, like, I just had a bad body image day and now I feel like I need to cut calories or I heard this thing on this other podcast and now I think I need to do this. Is it because they're getting it distracted? Totally. I mean, that can definitely be the case. And there's just so many different layers to this because especially as women, when you are moving through a month of your cycle, the way you feel in your skin is going to change. And I think that the really cool thing about getting to know your body and getting to learn what a natural hormonal cycle looks and feels like is you can, you can figure out, oh, that's why I'm feeling this way. So something I notice is that like when you have these disordered eating patterns or these 
these thoughts where it's like, oh, I need to cut calories because I saw X, Y, Z, or because this is just what everyone's doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Those things are exacerbated when you feel like out of control, right? So when you feel like this is happening in my body and I don't know why, you try to take that control back by doing something. And for us, it's been, for women especially, it's been cut calories, right? Mm -hmm. That's like the way people take control. And when you pay attention to like, to the way that, how am I, how do I want to say this the right way? When you, when you pay attention to what could be impacting the way you feel, you have a why behind the way you feel, and then you can kind of gain that control back. It's like naming it to tame it. And then you can unravel those reactionary and restrictive patterns. So like for me, I know that like around that PMS part of my cycle and right around when I'm like halfway through my cycle, I feel a little bit like fluffier and I feel just a little bit more tired. And if I wasn't paying attention to how my body changes through the month, I would react to that and be like, oh, it means I need to cut calories or, oh, it means Mm -hmm. I'm doing something wrong. Oh, I need to change something right now. Oh, I need to exercise more. Instead of sticking with what is working for me right now, moving through it, accepting it, and then just kind of like letting my body do its thing. And I know Mm -hmm. in for many of your listeners, they're probably thinking, well, like, I don't even know what my body's doing right now or what stage of my cycle I'm in. Um, But just kind of knowing that the way you feel right this second doesn't necessarily mean that's the way you're going to feel tomorrow or the next day. And it's the constant change um, that's kind of freaking your body out often. And just doing one thing and sticking with it for a little amount of time or a decent amount of time will let you start to notice those patterns. But if you're constantly changing things, reacting to how you feel on a day-to-day basis, um, you're just going to, your body's just going to be more confused and you're going to be more confused about what's going on in your body. So yes, it could totally be to wrap it around to your question. It could totally be just getting distracted by that thing, that new shiny thing. It could totally be a losing that, that long-term why based on how you feel today or for a couple days. Um, so there are a lot of different things, but a lot, a lot of the time it just comes down to like, well, why do you want to lose that weight? I want to feel really confident in my skin. Why do you want to feel confident in your skin? So keep asking these why questions to yourself or to your um, to your clients if you're listening to this as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, like why? So why do you want to feel better in your skin? Because then I'll be able to like live this life that I've been envisioning. And something I like to tell people is like, why don't we start living that life now? Flip it around the other way. Live that life that lets you feel really good in your skin, which would include eating enough food, not being hungry all the time, Mm. feeling like I'm recovering from my workouts. Those are the things that are going to get you to your why um, and your long-term vision, but they're also the things that people feel like they can't do on their way there. It's a very interesting, like backwards way of thinking, I think. Um, So I kind of like to flip it around the other way. Mm. So instead of here are these things that get me to my why and this is the life I want to live, live that life now. Um, and then we can backtrack from there to figure out the steps that we need to take. Yeah. So to come back to that original hypothetical question, after we get past the why, um, I would probably just start like laying out some science for someone who just needs a little bit more of a like reason why we need to cut workouts a little bit and the reason why eating a little bit more can be helpful. So with workouts, especially recovering from HA, and I'm sure you've talked about this and you're going to have other fitness professionals on here who are going to dig into this more than I will um, and in a much more like round or complete way. But basically, when you're dealing with hormones, 
higher stress levels in your body are just going to make everything more wacky, right? Um, and when we're working out really intensely all the time and not giving your body the chance to rest and recover, your stress hormone cortisol just basically stays high. It jacks up. Um, that can impact other hormones, especially progesterone. Um, it can increase estrogen in your body and actually cause more fat storage in the long term. Um, so when we're over-exercising, 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 not recovering, there are a lot of um, like chemical and hormonal things going on in your body that actually work against your long-term goals. So I would basically, for someone who needs a little bit more of the science, I would literally spell it all out for them. Like this is what can happen and this is why training for two hours a day, seven days a week, even six days a week, um, or even one hour, seven days a week is not helping us reach your goals. Mm -hmm. um, and then, then we'd also talk about the other side of it. So this is what drastically cutting calories, especially when exercise is high, can do because calorie restriction is another form of stress on your body. Um, and when you are trying to get your period back, your body, when it's stressed out, is not going to prioritize reproduction. It's Your body's really smart. Um, in the good old caveman days when you were um, running from tigers and whatever, um, you your body would not produce the correct hormones in the correct amounts at the correct times to bring new life into a stressful environment. And our, our bodies haven't caught up to the industrial age, no. right? So- so we're still functioning like that. And it's really important to know that that's. Well, I love, I was thinking about this topic yesterday and I love talking about this like evolutionary piece. Totally. Me too. And we, we often talk about like the, the, the chasing, the running away from tigers example comes up all the time. And yeah. we're like, but we're just not under that kind of a stress anymore. And it's so hard for us to see how our everyday lives can get that way. Totally. I was thinking about this yesterday. Um, and it, I only realized it in hindsight more and more like recently that when I <laughs> caught AJ, <laughs> I, I was like, I was in that situation. Like I was kind of living like a prisoner of war or something like where I was working seven days a week, mm -hmm. getting up at 4 a.m. to start work, driving an hour after work to go and train for two to three hours mm -hmm. and coming home and at the same time restricting my calories. And on this show, we generally do say numbers. Um, I know they can be a trigger for some people, but yeah. they're actually really helpful for a lot of other people. Yeah. And so I was probably eating between seventeen to 1,800 calories to fuel – all of that stress. And then when I say I was working seven um, days a week, it was my own business. So it was even, even more, you know, stress and emotional intensity on my, on myself. So when I think in hindsight to how I was go, 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 not sleeping, like I was still sleeping eight to nine hours, but I was getting woken up by an alarm mm -hmm. and then going straight to work. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything 
into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. And it was, oh, like, it was just chronic. Yeah. So it's such a funny thing because I think there are a couple things that layers of this. First, because things become chronic and because you're like, well, I'm normally this stressed. Like, this is a pretty normal level of stress for me. That doesn't mean that it's Mm. a, like, healthy level of stress. People can't see me, but I'm doing like air quotes. Um, And you get so used to this like baseline stress level that you're like, well, no, I'm not stressed. But then when you take a couple days off from work or you go on a vacation, you're like, oh, maybe I was more stressed than I realized. And then the other thing, there are a couple other things. The next one is that I think a lot of people look at other people who are like really productive or go, go, go. And they think, why can't I be like that? And why, if they can do it, I can do it. Or why can they do that and still have their period? And I like, yeah, that's me. (laughs) Yeah, 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 totally. And it's so, and comparison, I mean, if we're going back to the caveman thing, like comparison is a completely normal thing. And it's how we used to get by and like, know we had room around the fire and whatever. But it can be really, really damaging in these situations when it actually just adds more stress. Because now not only are we stressed about our stressors, but now we're stressed that we're like not doing enough compared to other people and wondering why there's something wrong with us because we lost our period when we worked out three days a week, but someone else can work out five days a week and keep their period. And at the same, and at the end of the day, you really have to, everyone is their own like unique butterfly and everyone has to figure out where their levels are and then adjust from there. Um, 
And then lastly, I think people, and I do this for sure, is uh, just forget that even good stress is stress. So you said you were going to work and it was a and it was your business and you were probably like, yeah, but I love this and I'm passionate about it, but that's still stressful. You still have those stresses. People who love working out, it's still a good stress on your body, but only in um, only when you're also allowing for recovery, right? So all these things, if you're stressed about something like exciting happening soon, that's still really exciting and really fun, but it could still be adding stress to your plate. So remembering that stress has taken on this negative connotation and people think only bad things are stressful, but there are so many different other really fun and exciting and amazing things like starting a business or getting after a, like a certain goal or training really hard or dude, starting a know, podcast, starting a podcast. <laughs> I mean, I started a blog and I, I mean, we'll talk about it at the end, but man, like that is stressful. Even if it's something you love doing and you're like, this is what I'm supposed to be yes. doing. It's still stressful. Being, like feeling for all of those people who are trying to start some kind of thing online, yeah. showing up online all the time is so stressful. Oh my it's gosh. All, like It all counts. Yeah. yeah. Everything counts and they all add up even if it's like a bunch of little things. So mm. that's huge. And I think just remembering um, and like all just the different impacts that stress can have on insulin and ovulation and your period. And we can dig into a little bit of that if you want to. Um, yeah. But I think people would love to hear like, yeah. So this is, this could be a really great rabbit hole actually. Um, people are always, including myself wondering like, well, what, what is it about? Why stress? is this? Yeah. What yeah. the hell is it about yeah. stress? I totally. get it. Like I'm spiking my cortisol. I get stress is stressful. Like I get yeah. that. Yeah. But what does that actually Dude. mean? Yeah. Okay. So stress can impact your insulin sensitivity. And when your insulin's off and you can't control your blood sugar levels, levels, this will impact your ovulation and your menstruation. It'll also impact your recovery from the gym. It'll impact your hunger levels. So when your insulin levels are all over the place, that's when you get those major cravings for really like snacky foods. Because when your body's like, you just need to eat something, it wants the highest return for like time. So if you have a bag of chips in the um in your house and you are like you have that blood sugar drop and you're like I need something, you are going to reach for that bag of chips cuz it takes less energy for you to open a bag of chips and get in a ton of calories at once than to grab an apple, cut it up and yeah. add some peanut butter on. When top. you're feeling snacky and you open the fridge and all you see is a cucumber, you're like this oh. is the worst day of my life. Yeah. <laughs> but no, for real though, it's because of, of the caloric return. And like we can keep going back to evolution, right? When people had to like hunt and gather, they needed the highest bang for their buck when they went to go reach for a food or go kill a whatever, or, you know? So it all comes back to that. So insulin, um, it can, again, it can impact energy levels, hunger levels, um, and then your ovulation and mon- uh, menstruation. When your stress is really high, especially when you're like two hours into a or one hour into a workout and your body's looking for other um, ways to get energy after it's burned your initial like glucose stores, so the carbs you eat, um, it's going to jack up your stress. And then that stress is actually going to start using your body's going to start using progesterone to make cortisol. So cortisol is your stress hormone and your body will start using progesterone, which is a 
Um, really, really important hormone, especially in the second half of your cycle. You only get it when you ovulate and then it stays, it kind of comes up and peaks in your, the second half of your cycle and then drops really, really hard right before you mm-hmm. get your period. Um, and it's like, it's very, very essential if you ever want to have kids. Um, progesterone needs to rise and then stay high for you to maintain a pregnancy. Um, so that's really huge. Stress can delay or prevent an egg from being released. So, so again, body's really smart. Caveman days, your body's not going to release an egg um, on time or maybe even at all if um, if you're in a really high stress state. So you can lose. So that's one of the ways you can um, not ovulate. And then if you did have like a breakthrough bleed after that, it might not even be like a period. It could just be, again, a breakthrough bleed. Yes. And Um, this explains a lot about anovulatory cycles, mm -hmm. which is like when you have all of the signs that you ovulated, uh, the physical signs, except Mm -hmm. for temperature rise typically. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you you see the cervical mucus come and you're like, it looks like I'm ovulating. This is it. Yep. Yeah. But you you know, the progesterone, like that's a sign, all, like mucus is a sign of yeah. estrogen, sometimes estrogen dominance, mm-hmm. but without that progesterone, you, you're you not getting the full ovulation happening and you're yeah. having an anovulatory cycle. Yep. So you will still bleed, mm-hmm. but you won't have ovulated. You won't have, like you were saying, it's really important for pregnancy, been yep. able to hold a pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Cool. Um, yeah. And again, because it impacts your ovulation, your progesterone levels and all of that, your periods can be late or non-existing. And mm. so those are just a couple of the ways that stress can really impact your body. And then it also impacts sleep, which then impacts everything else, you know? And so it's just kind of this yeah. downward cycle. You know what else? It also puts a new meaning on like the eating a post-workout meal. Totally. So like post-workout to most people is like, so I get that muscle building, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in that window, that window of like muscle repair. Well, you're in that window of like <laughs> yeah. stress reduction. If you, if you can eat yeah, actually. within a certain period of working out. Yeah. I never thought about that, that way. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Oh, for uh, sure. All right. Thanks for that. Yeah. Um, that was totally. a fun little rabbit hole to go down. Yeah, okay. I, I so you like back to this hypothetical, right? How yep. would you approach a client who is um, less able to see it than you are? So maybe they're obviously, it's very hard to get people to understand the science, even if they revisit their why, totally. even if you've explained okay. it, it's so hard because we're always being told do more, eat less. Yeah. So, and I know that nutrition coaches all the time get their clients questioning, should I be eating this much food? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, I, and, and they're full of, we're, we're all full of these excuses too. Oh, totally. It's just too much food. I yeah. can't eat this much food, blah, 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 blah. What, what do we do? Tactically. What do we do? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you said this podcast is all about numbers and That's kind of where I start. One of the things that's really cool about nutrition coaching, depending on the way you do it, and if you're a coach listening to this, I recommend like making sure you are getting as many metrics from one week to the next as you can, um, because this is when just kind of presenting the information that you have can be very, very, very helpful. So if someone can't see something, I mean, we live in our bodies every day. It's very hard for us to see um, like step out of that and see what could be going on because we just live in our brains, you know? Um, so again, this is when tracking as many metrics 
and as possible and different inputs can be really, really helpful because then you can just lay it out. So for example, you could talk about the way weight's trending. If someone's been taking their weight every single morning at a consistent time, um, like before they eat breakfast to make sure everything's consistent from one day to the next. Um, you could talk about so that they're not so hung up on one weight because we know it can fluctuate from one morning to the next based on a whole host of factors like sleep and stress and how much you ate and what you ate and what time you ate and all that kind of stuff and where you are in your cycle. Um, you could talk about uh, different mood metrics, so like mood and energy and stress and um, maybe you notice a pattern that their stress comes way down and their mood and energy come way up when they eat more, right? And you could literally be, be like, on these dates, you told me you felt like this and this is the exact amount we were eating and this is how much you were sleeping and X, Y, Z. So tracking as many metrics, like exactly what people are eating, um, taking pictures once a week, taking measurements, um, rating all those mood metrics, and then anything else that you are working on. So hours of sleep, how much someone's drinking, um, water-wise, but also how much someone could be drinking alcohol or going out to eat or eating processed foods. So the more information you have, the more you can just give them black and white, non, like they can't, people cannot, well, they might try, but can't argue with the numbers, right? Like this is what we saw when this was happening. This is what we saw when this was happening. Um, this is what you told me when this was happening. And then you can literally just turn it around and then open up a conversation to then make the next decision together. And then just being patient, like to an extent, sometimes you have to let people just kind of work through something that they're convinced is going to work for them. And then you never want to put someone in a position where they're unsafe. And yes, we don't want clients to crash and burn, but there will be some times when I'm like, okay, if that's what you want to try, we'll try it for a couple of weeks and we'll see mm -hmm. how you feel. And a lot of the time people kind of have to hit that, that wall of like, Ooh, I really don't like how uncomfortable I feel right now to then turn around and try something that you suggest. So again, like you have to be careful with that one. And it, we would never recommend or condone something that's actually putting someone in an unsafe place. But at the same time, some, it is coming back to that first question about just like being a coach and building trust, sometimes you have to kind of like meet someone in the middle. Um, and that's really, really important for sure when it comes to anything like this is kind of figuring out, okay, like um, if you are so convinced that you need to train six days a week, let's cut down 20 minutes each day. And you can still train six days a week, right? And let's see how you feel. So kind of meeting someone in the, um, in the middle and just really empathizing with where they are. and then seeing if they notice an, like an increase in energy or maybe even a drop in weight and that kind of stuff so that you can have that, that information to then go off of going forward and use how their body is responding and how they feel in their body to then tell them this is how we're making this next decision. Um, so that's like the biggest one I think is definitely just having those metrics to use in terms of showing someone what they may not be able to see themselves from the get-go. Mm -hmm. Cool. That explains a lot about um, the value of tracking things like just how you feel, your mood, your energy, yeah. which can sometimes feel like maybe fluffy like numbers. Yeah. It's like, totally. why when, when we can literally just track my weight compared to how yeah. much I'm eating? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are just so many. And I think that was one of the coolest things that I learned as I dug into nutrition and health and fitness and then became a coach is just how much can impact 
your weight and um, how much you eat, you know, and like what you're eating, right? So food quality, like that kind of stuff all matters. It's not just, it's not just calories out and exercise calories in, in food. It just isn't um, because there are just so many other factors that play into that. So having all those other metrics and looking, and I like it too, because then you can look, you can learn to find other areas of progress, right? You can, and then that can start to help move your mindset in more of that supporting my body so that can thrive versus feeling like I need to punish my body to get it to look a certain way. Mm. I don't know. My favorite thing to tell clients is that like, it's a huge, it's a huge mindset shift when we start making decisions based on how we feel, not how we look. And then the rest of it just kind of like works itself out. And I know that sounds so like, okay, whatever, but it actually does. I've never seen someone be able to start like, I've never seen someone making healthy decisions because they want to feel really good in their skin and not also achieve the aesthetics that they want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, this explains so much about why working with a coach is is valuable. Mm -hmm. Totally. If you, if you don't, you can't like objectively look at all of those metrics by yourself. No, you can't. Yep. And then, I mean, aside from that too, like a nutrition coach is is quite practiced at looking at all these Mm -hmm. people. So like I could review my own data for hours and be like, oh my God, what does any of this mean? mean? (laughs) Yeah. But when someone has done it over and over again, then I mean, yeah, it sounds super, super valuable. Okay, yeah. cool. So I have a listener question. Every now oh, and then, fine. listener questions match up perfectly with an interview I have coming up. So I bring it onto the show. Yay, I'm into it. Ella asked, I am a HIT instructor. So that's high intensity interval training, basically circuit training, get your heart rate up super hard, maybe with weights, body weight, whatever. Okay, I'm a HIT instructor and still teach twice a week. She's trying, this is a person who's trying to recover from HA. Is there any way to recover my period and still teach? So i.e. if you're not meant to be working out super hard, but you still need to do your job, what tips do you have? That is such a good question. Um, So my first question is what does your teaching need to look like, right? So um, maybe... Like, what does your instructing look like? Maybe instead of taking a class and literally going through it with everyone you're teaching or coaching, um, maybe you demo movements and then you use that time to go around and like teach the incorrect movements, right? You could be giving even more to the people in your class by going around and making sure they're moving correctly and safely and pumping them up than they would get from just watching you do the workout with them, right? Um, So depending on who you coach for or who you, what kind of hit you're, um, you're instructing, you may not need to be doing the workout at the same time. Mm-hmm. If you're a spin instructor, right, you could be getting off the bike um, or doing like a lower key um, pedal yourself and then getting off the bike and walking around and pumping people up. Um, you could demo weights at like a lighter weight with just an empty, I don't know exactly what kind of hit they're doing, but um, just lots of examples. Like if you're a CrossFit coach um, or like coaching orange theory or something, you could demo movements with much less weight, much less intensity, focusing on Mm -hmm. the way someone's body should be moving versus how fast someone's body should be moving. Um, And then I guess for coaches in general, just like leading by example. So this kind of just popped into my head, but 
I know for me, like a lot of my athletes in the gym didn't take rest days or didn't take like a lower key workout day until they saw their coaches doing it, you know, or someone that they trust in that industry doing it. So knowing that you can go into a workout and just having it be like a flow workout for you. And it sounds like those Mm -hmm. two classes um, aren't like your form of exercise necessarily. So you can keep them pretty low key, keeping your um, heart rate down, all that fun stuff, um, and still be the um, instructor and have that really awesome presence and pump up your athletes and all of that fun stuff without necessarily crushing your body at the same time. It's a little bit hard yeah. to answer without knowing exactly what the rules around her coaching need to be. But- this is an, I, I know because this is an interesting question. Like, why are you working out at the same time as you're teaching? So it's yeah. all I can all Now I'm imagining this is like a spin class instructor yeah. or something, right? So that's like your example of yeah get off the bike and walk around and and talk to people one-on-one is like a good way to get off the bike and yeah just being open about like hey guys FYI, yeah. I've been I mean you don't have to say I have AJ yeah. you'd be like I'm working out I've been working out a lot this week so I'm taking it low key so yeah. I'm going to be like on the bike totally. I'm going to tell you what to do but I might not push as hard as I want you guys to. And just yep. be open about yeah. it because, yeah, sharing what you're doing is very educational for yeah. people because otherwise they're looking at you thinking, oh, it must be nice to be an instructor for this so that you can work totally. out six days a week, three times a day. It's like yeah. you're helping them by explaining that you need to chill out. Yeah, you're like giving people permission to do the same thing in their lives and their training you know, and if, if it means you have to have a conversation with your boss, if you're working for someone who expects you to be like crushing your body at the front of the class, maybe that is just a really great chance to open up a conversation about, hey, like this is what's going on. Again, you don't have to say I have HA, but you could say I'm working like I, I'm really just needing to take a little bit of time to lower the intensity for my body, for my health right now. Um, I'm thinking about coaching class this way. What do you think? You know, and so just yeah. having an open and honest conversation about it with whoever you need to. Um, but yeah, I love the idea of just being open about it and kind of being, instead of thinking about it as this thing that you have to hide, it's actually a really cool thing and a way for you to stand up for other people who are probably dealing with similar things, whether it's HA yeah. or whether it's just feeling so burnt yeah. out, you know? So it's actually you never really know cool who's thing. in your class right yeah. now at their seventh spin class yeah. for the week yeah. who would like benefit greatly yeah, like, from oh. you chilling out yeah like yeah that's I love that yeah yeah it's so good (laughs) all right so we're coming up on an hour I guess but what I know it's one of those days where time's going really fast yeah so what do you recommend people look for in a nutrition coach because there's a lot of like any profession right there's good doctors bad doctors totally so what are some things that you might look at so there will be a little bit of tar- trial and error with some of the stuff. Sometimes you won't know until you get to know a coach or you won't know until you're part of a specific program. But um, some things just to kind of keep an eye on are how often are they going to be available to you and does it fit like what you need support wise. So like we were talking about when we were talking about nutrition coaches who may be a little bit more affordable and you get to talk to more versus an RD you see once a month for 15 minutes or maybe it's longer, but um, just kind of figuring out, okay, what kind of support do I need? And is this coach going to be able to give me that support in terms of like time and even finances, you know, um, from there, 
how are you communicating with them? So coaches all communicate differently depending on some people work remotely, some people work um, in person. Are you someone who would rather check in with a coach on a computer, through a call, all of that fun stuff? Um, I really prefer computers and like technology because it gives, I feel like my clients say things on the computer that they wouldn't necessarily either, either think to say or be brave enough to say to me, like if we were sitting down for half an hour and um, that also gives me the opportunity to give very well thought out answers and like going to look something up if I need to, or being able to, um, kind of supply someone with the best support I can, um, by giving myself a little bit more time to then respond to a, um, a communication with someone I work with. So how, like, what kind of forms of communication work for you? Um, and is the coach that you are looking at going to be able to provide that for you? Um, potentially someone who specializes in an area you need. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be working with an RD, but if you are a woman recovering from HA looking for a coach who has worked with other clients um, who have HA or have recovered from HA or who has accessory certifications specializing in women's hormones or hormone balance or um, anything like that, like if you, why not work with someone who has a lot of experience and what you need help with? Um and then just someone who's like really going to get to know you and your body and your lifestyle and give you those specific tips, not just like numbers once a week or once a month and then saying like, go figure it out. I definitely wholeheartedly believe that the magic in nutrition coaching comes from accountability and um, open and honest communication in that personalization. Um, and then I guess like everything else would just be the flip side of that. So like uh, what wouldn't necessarily work for you would just be the flip, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I have definitely seen usually like bro coaches. So for yeah. me, an alarm bell is when you see accounts that are, that show maybe Instagram posts, for example, that are like judgmental about people who yeah are not being successful because mm-hmm. I mean, there's like one account that comes to mind. <laughs> um, it's, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's a name. It's called physique economics, I think is how you say it. And he is, his stuff is very science-based, right? So it's like, he'll do little infographics. that's mm-hmm. just showing, you know, how calorie deficits work in all different ways. And mm-hmm. then basically like all the ways you're failing to be in a calorie deficit and mm-hmm. then trying to help you understand like yeah. yourself sabotaging your calorie deficits, blah, blah, blah. So he's like very focused on the science of weight loss mm-hmm. and not very focused on um, he like, I'm sure he does generally do behavioral stuff, yeah. but like you can just feel yeah. from him that, Oh, I'm going to, give you all the tools you need to like drill into totally. you that this calorie deficit is the way of life. And so like, maybe that's not the right fit for someone with AJ. Yeah. I like the idea of kind of like, I mean, we know that Instagram never tells the whole story or like a social account, no matter what, but there is a truth to like reading through the language of the way someone's presenting themselves or the way that they present their product or whatever. Um, and like, maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're like, this girl sounds like someone that I'd really get along with. Or maybe you're like, this girl sounds nuts you know so like you can tell from the way that someone speaks from the language that they're using what kind of things they focus on um and yeah I mean I guess for for anyone with 
HA, some kind of like bro science, bro coach probably isn't going to be the best fit. Yeah. But you know. It's like there's that's a fit for some people. Totally. Totally. Potentially the I mean, male population. Exactly. And I was going to say like <laughs> – but that's, I mean, and that's great. I mean, male hormones are on a 24 hour clock and I mean, that could be a whole other podcast, but like that, and I'm sure that. And just like the societal been... conditioning around them is just different. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So just, I think that there's definitely a truth to like trusting your gut. So if you're reading something and you're like, oh, like maybe. Like this, this is making research. me feel bad about myself for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. If you're left yeah. feeling like I'm there's something wrong with me. I am like so broken. That's not someone you want to work with. If you look at someone and you're like, I can learn a lot from this person. I'm actually like excited about this. Even if it makes me a little bit nervous, I'm excited about this. It's probably a better fit. Mm. I don't know. I'm all on gut yeah. instincts. Yeah. 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 Well, there you go. Okay, yeah. cool. So where can people find more information from you or have chit chat or something Ooh, like yeah. that? Oh, um, yeah. So I'm on Instagram. I love Instagram. My Instagram handle is Allie. So A-L-I underscore C and then one, two, three. So it kind of rhymes. Allie underscore C, one, two, three. Right. Um, when you get married in October, what's that going to be? I don't even know. Well, his last no. name is Macy. So I don't know. Yeah. I have to think. It's not going to – because it do- isn't going to rhyme. And so I'm probably <laughs> going to need to change the whole thing. Um, Allie – Allie Macy. Oh my yeah, gosh. I know. It's really hard. I know. I know. I'm going to need to brainstorm help. Allie C123. Yeah, for now. So get on it in the next two months, people. Um, and then I do have a blog. Um, it's healthythinkyoumoreplease.com. I've taken a teeny bit of a hiatus with some crazy wedding planning and other life events. Um, and that's okay. I need a little bit of a breather and I will come back to it, but it is still up there. Um, and you guys can totally check it out and communicate with me that way. And when my Instagram handle does change, it will be all linked through there too. Um, but yeah. And then, um, if you have questions about me and coaching, you can shoot me a DM. I work for a larger company, so I can give you a little bit more information if you're curious, but, um, yeah, you can find me on, on the gram or at healthythinkymoreplease.com. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.